The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. LinkedIn News. You've labored over your application, sent it in, and lucky you, you have an interview. Now what? That's today's episode. Let's get into it. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs and the ever-changing landscape of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior Managing Editor for Jobs and Career Development, bringing you conversations with experts who, like me, want to see you succeed at work, at home, and everywhere in between. Job interviewing has changed a lot in the past few years. Now, video interviews are the norm, especially in the first rounds. But the etiquette around them hasn't changed much. So, what are the most important things to consider when you're interviewing for a new position? My guest today, Valerie Sutton, is a career coach and the director of career services at Harvard School of Education. She's also the instructor of the popular LinkedIn Learning Courses, acing your interview, and master common interview questions. So she's an expert in advising people from all industries on how to nail their interviews and land their positions. And she joined me in studio to help pass along all that knowledge to you. First, I wanted to know, what's the best approach when you're prepping for an interview? There's two core areas that you have to think about. The first of which is understanding who the interview is with how long that interview will be, and then the industry standards for interviewing. So what I mean by this is the fact that if it's an HR person, they're going to be asking you probably a lot of the common interview questions, right? Um, They're going to want to see if you are a fit to go to the decision maker because they don't want to make a mistake and send somebody to the decision maker (laughs) that is not qualified, right? So they're going to check the basic qualifications. However, there's also colleague interviews and there are hiring manager interviews or what I call the decision maker, right? And they're going to be looking for different things and have more nuanced questions. So you want to understand what that looks like. It is perfectly fine to go back to the contact that asked you for the interview and say, I'm preparing for the interview. Um, I would love to have a little more detail of the structure. Would you provide me with some more information? Specifically, I'm looking for who my interview might be and the time that's allotted. And is there anything you want me to prepare up front? Fine to ask that. The second thing you want to do is As you're getting into colleague and hiring manager interviews, you want to anticipate questions. There are three ways that they can ask a question. The first is behavioral-based, and most people know that, right? Past behavior predicts future behavior. It sounds like, uh, how have you done this? Or give me an example. The second way they can ask a question is a resume-based question. And that's just literally going to your resume and saying, this is... um, you said this in your resume, so what What have you done with this? Yeah. The third way is a situational or what I call a case interview as well, and they're asking you to extrapolate your past experience into a future experience. So how would you is, is often how that might start out. The next part of that is in that framework is then going down to the responsibilities in the job description 
and putting situation action result of where you have demonstrated this experience Mm -hmm. in your past. And that will actually give you the content for answering any of those types of questions. Yeah. And and something that I sometimes recommend to people who are going for jobs at larger organizations is look at their values and stuff Mm -hmm. that they put online. Because often what's going to happen is after an interview, they're going to get like a little sheet Mm -hmm. and it's going to say, you know, how did they answer questions about this value? How did Mm -hmm. they answer questions about this responsibility and things like that? So I always tell them, look at sort of the corporate branding. And I said that might inform you of the type of questions and what they're specifically looking for. I love that because you're pointing out what is that elusive fit because oftentimes you get turned down and, well, you weren't just quite the right fit, right? And so what you want to try and discover are the values and the culture of the organization. And you can do that, like you said, through the secondary research on their website. You'll find companies that might focus on innovation and creativity. And so as you're thinking about your answers, you want to think about where have you innovated? Where have you uh, been creative? In other organizations, it's about following standards and it's about really following processes. Um, And you'll see that come out in the words that they use. And so you really want to structure your questions around those standards and processes. And going back to career decision making, (laughs) that is a good indication of whether you will fit in the organization and if it is a culture for you. And then you can counter that with some informational interviews um, to confirm whether this is the right fit for you. Yeah. And an example of that would be Amazon as their leadership principles. Mm -hmm. I think that's what they call them. That guides pretty much everything they do within that company. Mm -hmm. That's a big thing for them. Oh, my gosh, this is it. You're hitting on another thing that I love to talk about, and that is actually that you're interviewing the company as much mm-hmm. as they're interviewing you. So you can do this secondary research, and you can see that creativity and innovation in the words that they use. But when you're in the interview, reverse that to them when they say, what questions do you have? You can say, you know, you mentioned creativity as a value. Please give me an example of where you've most recently used your creativity. Yeah. And in fact, there was research, and I forget where it came from recently, where basically they said when it comes to that question of what do you want to ask us, Mm -hmm. usually hiring managers and whoever's interviewing you actually perk up and make note when you ask about company culture. It could be, you know, what is your day-to-day here like? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, how is the vibe? You know, how is the leadership principle applied to everything we do? Yeah. Um, Those things anyone can answer. Anyone can answer. And one of the things, again, to that, you know, effective career decision making is to come back to your own values and then ask specific questions instead of what does your day to day look like? You may be concerned because you haven't had autonomy in your current workplace. And so that's something that you want to get in your new work environment. Right. So give me an example of where you have autonomy in your work, where you have, you know, walk me through the day to day where you have decisions that you make on your own. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, the dreaded, what's your biggest flaw? If you're interested in the story behind the business headlines, check out Big Technology Podcast, my weekly show that features in-depth interviews with CEOs, researchers, and reformers in business and technology. Hi, I'm Alex Kantrowitz. I'm a longtime journalist, CNBC contributor, and the host of the show. I empty my Rolodex every Wednesday to bring you awesome episodes. So go check out Big Technology Podcast. It's available on all podcast apps. We'd love to have you as a listener. 
Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. We're back with interview expert Valerie Sutton. If you've been in the workplace for any length of time, you've probably encountered some of the classic interview questions. Things like, tell me about yourself and what's your greatest weakness? According to Valerie, those questions serve an important purpose, and you should be prepared for them. I have a course, in, a course in LinkedIn Learning on mastering common interview questions, and there are structures to this. These questions primarily come in the screening interview, but they may also come in the colleague interview. It depends on how structured the interview process is in the company. And so you want to think about what they're trying to get from these questions um, and prepare for them up front. So tell me about yourself or uh, walk me through your resume. Mm -hmm. Those are examples of why do you want the position? Yeah. Um, and so you want to say, you know, why you're interested in the company and what led you to apply to this particular role. Yeah. And and I think the one that often trips people up and it's the one the one time I said, told someone that I, I like asking this question <laughs> and they basically were like, I think that's a terrible question to ask someone. Mm -hmm. and, but I like it. And it's what is your greatest weakness? Sure. And the reason I like asking it is because I think it is so simple, mm -hmm. but it tells you so much about the person, how they answer. And I, in most cases, I don't even care what their greatest weakness yeah. is, yeah. but I want to know how they answer it. Mm -hmm. And how do you suggest people answer that? So when people are asking, what's your greatest weakness, it's also give me an example of a challenge you've had. And so they want you to have a realistic view of yourself and where you need to improve in professional development. And so when you're looking at the job description, very rarely does anybody come into the job description and have 110 percent of what this organization is looking for. Let me give you an example. I got this question when I interviewed at Harvard, you know, what's your greatest weakness? And so I gave them the example of, you know, I'm not as familiar with the education sector. I've worked in business schools for a very long time. How I would handle this situation, action, and result. And I talked about moving from Maryland to Wharton where I had to learn about private equity very quickly and how you find jobs in private equity and just walk them through that process to let them know that, yeah, everybody has a challenge, but here's how I handle the challenge. Yeah. And that's what I look for, actually, when I ask that question. And um, it's sort of, you know, because I think a lot of people, they default to how can I turn this around to make it a positive for me, <laughs> yes. which is what you're doing. But if you do it too unvarnished, it's just it comes off as yeah. a flop. Um, you know, people say, I just work too hard. And it's like, yeah, everyone does. But if you say, listen, you know, I, I didn't know this language or this programming language, mm -hmm. but you know, I went to school and I'm getting much better at it or something like that. It shows 
that you are human and that you recognize you have flaws. Mm -hmm. So that's why when I interview people, I love that question. Yeah. It shows you are a real person. And it also shows that you are interested in learning and development. Yeah. And personally, if anyone out there listening ever does interview with me, <laughs> uh, if you're going to interview for like a job search career you know, position. Yeah. Yeah. I expect you to sort of know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone should know how to answer that question. Yeah. It's fairly common. And how do you sort of wrap up the interview and make sure that you keep the lines of communication open? So I am going to say that if you're in the screening interview, you're probably in about five to 10 candidates. If you're in a colleague or a hiring manager interview, you're most likely in three to five uh, candidates, depending on whether it's structured recruiting or not structured recruiting. So remember that they want the person that is most excited about the position and qualified. So always leave the interview with, I'm really excited about this opportunity. What are the next steps in the process? And so you always leave every interview with that excitement. Yeah. And actually, to underscore that point, too, um, I always tell people, when they say, what's one thing I should know when job searching is tell them you want the job. Yes. Uh, because I, I, there's so many people that I encounter that like they think hard to get is how mm -hmm. you get the job. And yes. it's like, no, who wants to have a lukewarm employee that just kind of maybe wants to work there? Um, exactly. You know, you don't have to love the job, but they do want someone who's excited to maybe solve the problem or who actually enjoys doing that work. So. I, I can't tell you how many times... I have hired people in my past, and somebody might have technically had a slightly better qualifications, but they were not excited about the role, where someone else, I was like, they're excited about the role. I know they're going to contribute, because you want somebody excited. Yeah. This is your team member. And I think a lot of people think, well, I don't want to sound desperate. Yeah. You are not sounding desperate. You are sounding excited and ready to start the job, and I am much more likely to give it to you. And, you know, when it comes to after the interview, mm -hmm. um, there's this one question that gets put up on LinkedIn every once in a while, and it is super controversial. And I always laugh when it is. <laughs> um, thank you notes. Absolutely. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my answer is like, it doesn't have to be a hard copy note. It could just be an email. Yes. <laughs> it's so con And in fact, you want to send the email out between 24 and 48 hours from the interview process. A best practice is to send a customized email to each person that you interviewed with, reinforcing your excitement for the position and saying, your strengths to the position and reiterating that and something specific to the strengths that you talked about in that interview. So it's okay to take notes during the interview as well, mm -hmm. just to remind yourself on that thank you note. Now, if you really want to go above and beyond, then you can send the written thank you note as well. Yeah. And yeah. that can be super simple. Yeah. And and something that I always think is a really nice uh, touch is if during the interview you see, you know, they have a Yankees baseball or something mm -hmm. like that. If you do send a hard copy note, you could make it like, you know, a Yankees themed one or yeah. something. Um, or if they mentioned a podcast or a book or something, you could say, hey, you know, that podcast you mentioned, mm -hmm. um, you know, I listened to it the other day on my way home and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for the suggestion. Oh, that's a fabulous way to end a thank you note because it's really showing appreciation for your conversation. And who does not want to work with somebody that appreciates what they bring to the table? Yeah. And I, I think the last part of this discussion is really the follow-up mm -hmm. uh, other than the thank you note because the sure. thank you note is sort of mandatory follow-up. Yeah. 
But there is the question of, okay, you do the interview, mm-hmm. a week goes by, you had sent the thank you note, they go, oh, thank you so much mm-hmm. for the lovely note. Yes. But then nothing. When do you follow up and how often? And if you were really smart at the end of the interview, you said, I'm really excited about working here. What's the next step in the process? Mm -hmm. And then you know when to follow up. So if they say, you know, we'll be back in touch with candidates by Friday and you haven't heard by Friday afternoon, you can say, I want to follow up and just see where you are in the timeline. I recognize that things may be delayed. Um, Is there any update at this point? And so that way you have a reason to get back in contact with them. But let's say in your excitement, you forgot to ask what that process Mm -hmm. was. Then I would follow up in a week just saying I wanted to follow up um, and check what your process is looking like for this candidacy. I'm really interested in the position and maybe give a little bit of a pitch for yourself on that. And then if they don't get back to you within a week, I would follow up with them one more time saying, you know, I just, I know there might be some delays. I'm very excited about the position. Please let me know. If they don't get back to you at that point, then I would get back to them one more time (laughs) and just say, I'm really excited about the company. It seems like I didn't make the final cut from the interviews. But if you have future positions, please consider me for them. And I will continue to follow you as a company because I really love what you're doing. Yeah. And and I think that goes back to the idea of ghosting, uh, which we always hear a lot about. And sure. ghosting, I think we should say, is not you don't submit an application and you never hear anything. That's not ghosting. Yeah. Ghosting is you've had some substantial interaction with the company. Sure. And now you don't hear back. Yeah. But I like what you suggest because I think a lot of people, the default might be to like burn a bridge because Mm -hmm. they feel, you know, attacked almost like, you know, it wasn't just a rejection. It was like an avoidance of a rejection. And you never know really what's happening behind the scenes Mm -hmm. because a month later that HR person might come back and say, hey, sorry, you know, the hiring manager had a family emergency. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually do still want to talk to you about that. We just had to put things on pause. Or they might have someone in the pipeline and Mm -hmm. that person falls through and they'll say, you know, we do want to maybe bring you in again just for one more quick interview. Um, So you Mm -hmm. don't want to burn that bridge because you might need to go across it again. (laughs) Yeah, well, absolutely. And then also, I think folks take it very personally when they get ghosted. I know I take it personally, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's not the fact that it's some way negative towards you. And so thinking about the person that's behind the interview process, who the HR person is or who the decision maker is, and understanding there may be some things going on in their lives that are affecting their ability to get back to you. And so just having that patience and that empathy um, and not making that snap judgment is really essential. Yeah. And what would you say is... The maybe top three things people should be doing to prepare for interviews and and just sort of guide them through the job search process when they are being brought into a company to talk with their hiring managers. Yeah. So the first thing that I think about is the moment you put in an application, you should be thinking about that interview process because you don't know if you apply within the first 10 days and you're applying to a right-sized job search, you should be getting a call back about 70% of the time, which means if you're doing corporate, which is about a 30 to 45-day time to hire, that they may call you within a week and then schedule that interview within a week. So you have very short time to prepare for that. So immediately when you apply, think through those responsibilities 
and really identify the situation, action, and result. And it's much easier at that time because you've already done this for your application, right? So that's the first thing is prepare before you even get the interview. Second thing is when you get the interview, understand the process for the interview. And so who are you interviewing with? Or is it a decision maker or is an HR screening interview? Because those are two different types of interviews and you would prepare differently for those. And so in an HR screening, you might say, you know what, I want to review those common interview questions before I go into this interview. For a hiring manager, then you might want to think about more of the technical questions that you're getting in the interview process. Um, You may also at some point get a problem set. And so you want to know what that type of interview might look like um, and prepare for that. Finally, it's really taking a deep breath um, and going into the interview in a calm manner with confidence. And then I would also understand the difference between video interview and an in-person interview and what some strategies might be on that. Yeah, I think those are really great tips. I really appreciate you making time for us to do this interview. Well, thank you for having me. I have loved being here. That was interview expert Valerie Sutton. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue this conversation. Also, if you liked this episode, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps people like you find the show. And don't forget to click that follow, subscribe, or whatever other button you find to get our podcast delivered to you every Wednesday, because we'll continue these conversations next week, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. This episode was produced by Alexis Ramdow. Rafa Faria is our associate producer. Asa Giron engineered our show. Joja Georgi mixed our show. Dave Pond is head of news production. Enrique Montalvo is our executive producer. Courtney Coop is head of original programming at LinkedIn. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.